In John chapter 4, verse 34, let's turn in our Bibles together. And uh, once again, we're going through following Christ. And I want you to see something. When, when you follow, when you hang out, when you're around someone that's got something on their heart, it won't be long before it comes out their mouth. It, it's just, I can tell you, I, I hang around friends, I go around people, and it doesn't take long before I know what makes them tick and what they're excited about. If, if someone's getting ready to go on vacation, if someone is going to watch a game that night of their favorite team, if someone uh, just, you know, got a, a raise at work or whatever, I, I don't have to pull it out of you. I promise you, when you are burdened or, or are excited about something, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. It will come out of your lips of what you're thinking about. And uh, the disciples are following after Christ. They didn't have to wonder what his life was about. They didn't have to. There was no mystery of why he was here and what was his motive of everything that he did. He did not hide it and he wanted them to know. And one by one, as Jesus called the disciples, they began to follow and they began to learn. Last week, we were talking about the message that they learned at first because it was so overwhelming was Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He said, guys, I'll teach you how to do it. But once they got on that, I'm saying, we're going to see, and you're going to be flipping your pages because of the fact is I want you to see Jesus. I I want you to see that this was the life of Christ. He was there and he was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then they'd be over here and he'd heal and do this. And they'd be sitting down, they'd be relaxed. And then the next thing Jesus was, come on, guys, come on, come on. And they were just like, man alive, does this guy ever stop? Does he ever quit? Is he... You know, this, that, that was just where he was at in his life. But they, they didn't fully understand why. They didn't get it. Jesus was not like the other rabbis. He did not just sit in the temple and gather around. And I think that's what a lot of us think of church. We say we want to be Christ-like, but then we want to gather in a church and let's all stand and sing now. And guys, that, that's great. We do that. But let me say, like I've said many, many other times before, we need to view church like a huddle. We gather, this is the game plan, high-five each other, praise God, let it, and then we say, break, and we go out and we do the work. That, 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 is, that is the job, and for, for too long, maybe, we've gotten into the rut that Christianity was, I go to church, I go to church, I go to church, that's great. It, it'd be like if, all, if you were on a football team and all you did was, we go to the huddle, we go to the huddle, we go to the huddle, you'd never win a game. you got to break and go do what you talked about in the huddle. That's the key. What do we find? What do we hear when we follow Christ? Jesus tells them in John 3, he said, I must go through Samaria in chapter 4. We get to this passage in John 4.34 and the guys are like, Samaria? I I love this is in our our, our Christmas drama this year. The Samaria? Lord, why? Why? (laughs) Uh, us Jews have nothing, to, no dealing with those, and, and it's out of our way, and that's, uh, Lord, come on, let's not do this, and, but Jesus knew that there was going to be a woman there that needed him. He was going after this woman that was constantly seeking for joy and satisfaction. She'd been married five times, and the, and the thing about this woman is that she'd never found what she was missing in her life, and that's the reality of everyone in this world. And the disciples still didn't get it. 
We know the story more of, we call it the woman at the well, but you guys know who I'm talking about. And Jesus shows up and shows this woman true love. Shows up and he starts talking and he says, nobody, nobody knows and says the things that you say unless he be of God. And she was quickly knowing and relating it and it came out and her life was changed and she ran back into the city and she begins to tell everybody what Jesus has done. The disciples come back to him and this is where we get into it. They come back with this food and this is where we begin to hear the heart of Jesus again. In John 4, 34, Jesus said unto them, my meat, my meat, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That word or that phrase, my meat, he was saying, my desire, guys, my desire, my heart, what I crave, what I desire to do is to do the work that he has sent me to do. That is what I want to do. And they're sitting there and they're brushing off the crumbs off their face and you know, they've got their leftovers in their pouches, and they, they just, they didn't get it. Says, Guys, I've got a much, much, much bigger job and more on my mind than just to eat. Let me show you. Here's the lessons we learn as we hear the heart of Jesus. Number one, we see the urgency he displays. The urgency he displays. Notice verse 35. Say not ye. These guys, please. Please don't put it this way. You need to change your way of thinking because there's a danger of what we're talking about. Don't say there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look under the fields for they are white already to harvest. Jesus tells these guys right here, he says, you guys are going to miss it. He goes into this urgency of what he's trying to get across. And you know why he said the harvest is already here? He said, the time is running out. You want to know why he was doing and laboring and staying off? And he, he didn't take the time. He didn't even know where he was going to lay his head. The Bible says that he had no place to lay his head. We can get so consumed with the here and now. That our days are filled and our nights are filled and with what we want to do right now, what's on our heart and mind. And last night we had a late night and we, we, we were doing the play and we were doing the play and it's like, let's do it again. Come on guys, back on the stage, let's do it again. And I know we were growing weary and I know people were getting tired. But when you have the heart of understanding that eternity is at stake And the night is coming and the Lord could see in the reality of time that the sun was going down. Go, go, go. Come on, guys. If I can get to one more city, I can just get to her. Said, you guys have this in your mind already that we've got plenty of time. We've got four months into the harvest. But he said, I tell you now, it's already white on the harvest. It's already here. One thing I can tell you about the Lord coming is this. He will come in an hour and you think not. He says when the church is just sitting there not doing anything. When they stop rushing from city to city. When they stop going from person to person. When they get their mind off of what the mission is about. He said my meat, my job, my mission is his mission. I must do the work while there is day. He said, the fields are white on the harvest. I don't have to explain this, but you guys know this already. The fields he was referring to was people. How often do we delay 
the witness, and the passion to tell others. Because we have the mindset that we have plenty of time. One more day of going to work, one more day of going to lunch with that guy or that girl, one more time. Never spoke the words, well, I'll just do it tomorrow. I, I, we've got this coming. I, 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 there's something that will come up that whatever. And you know what? The devil loves it because we keep putting it off. Notice this. Talking about what was on his mind, the urgency. We were running out of time. And then notice what he says in verse 36. And he he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathering fruit unto life eternal. Oh, what Lord, what? All right, harvest, fields, why, uh, that's great, but what? Life eternal. How did we just switch this, Lord? <clears throat> what is on your mind? Lord, Lord, why? Why are you saying this? You see what was. He was talking about through all of this, what was on the heart of Jesus Christ, why he went there, everything that he was doing, because eternity was at stake. He was seeking out people. His ministry was not a church program. It was people was his purpose. The disciples keep following and watching and learning the heart of Jesus. Flip just another chapter, John chapter 5, verse 24, and look again. John chapter 5, verse 24, and we just... When you get around somebody, you're going to find out their heart. You're going to find out their motive, why they do what they do. What, what's making them push so hard? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Here he goes again. Condemnation, eternal life, life everlasting Jesus, what, what are we doing? I thought we were just telling people about the kingdom. I, I thought, I thought, it's so much bigger. So much bigger. Jesus is on the go again. Let's flip over in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, and we'll kind of park here for a little bit. But as we continue to follow Christ, I take you to this passage where Jesus really unloads it on them. I mean, have you ever... Have you ever had something on your mind and you're just holding it back, holding it back, holding it back, you, you know, like when you're arguing with your spouse? If any of you do that, raise your hand right now. I just want to make you do this. The rest of you are all lying. <laughs> That's why we have invitations at the end of the service, okay? But, but, but you have it and you're thinking, I don't want to bring that up. I don't want to bring that up. I don't want to bring that up. And you need to bring it up because when you do bring it up, it's going to be like a tsunami. It's going to, you know, right over them. It's like, it just comes out. And, and you can imagine Jesus is throwing these things and he's, he stops and says, guys, it's, it's about the eternal. Guys, you're, you're right. It's, it's about the things that, guys, we're running out of time. You have the, the harvest and that. And they're like, okay, all right. He's pretty serious about this. Then we come to this. No longer is he hinting. No more subtle. No, no, no more just throwing it out there for them to figure out the, the, the parable. John, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, And when Jesus was entered in Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth home sick, palsy, grievously tormented. Let's say, oh, I see an illustration coming. You mean somebody that is tormented, out of your control, 
that no one can help except me? Okay, keep telling me. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Listen to this. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth that. He was acknowledging, Lord, I know my power that I have, and I know the authority that I can say just by speaking it. And I come into the presence of your power. And he said, I acknowledge your power has much more than my power. You do not have to go. You can just speak the words. I know the power that I stand before. And when Jesus heard it, listen to this. He marveled and said unto them that followed. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Now this part is odd. He sit there and he's talking, he's preaching and things. And you get that. And then Jesus flips it out of nowhere. This is the part that I'm saying. When you have something on your heart, it's going to come out. Here it comes. This man is grieved. His servant is is tormented. And Jesus stops and begins to teach a lesson out of nowhere. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west. And shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Man, if we just stop there. I'll tell you, we, we love to sing. We love to proclaim We love to get excited about heaven and when the roll is called up yonder and heavenly sunlight and all the other things. We love to sing and talk about heaven. We don't come in here and sing songs about hell. One day destruction, you know, sounds like a rock song. We don't do that as believers. Tell me the good stuff. Let's focus on heaven, where I'm going and all that. And you know, that should be the case. I am saved, and I'm going there, and I'm excited about it. And you should too. But he doesn't stop there. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It comes out. In his heart, when this illustration comes alive, and in the midst of this intense situation, he could not hold back anymore And we get to our second part, what was on the heart of Christ and what we learned by being around Christ. As we begin to hear the reality of hell or the hell that Jesus begins to describe in this passage. See, the thing is, and you guys need to understand what was on the heart of Jesus is for them to know that hell is real. It's real. It has become so fictitious It has become described as a party. It has become used as a cuss word. I will tell you, yes, it can be a difficult thing to talk about, especially when you're sitting there talking to somebody that you love and they're sitting there thinking, you're going to bring up that and you're going to use scare tactics. Let me say, there is sometimes that we will be so afraid to preach and speak about hell because we're afraid of using it as scare tactics. But the reality is there is a hell and people will go there without Jesus Christ. That is the fact. And that's why Jesus said it. And for us to sit there and pull back and in our play, yes, we'll talk about Jesus and the manger and and all this. And the fact that he did conquer death, hell and the grave. But they need to know that there is a hell and they will go there without Christ. 
You say, well, that's not a good way to build a church. It's God's way to build the church. When we get away and we just want to tickle the ears and tell them what they want to hear, we're not doing the work of the Father that sent us. We're not pleasing God whatsoever. It is not our job to make people feel good or to build a church. It's not our job. He said, you do your work and I will add to the church God does the sinning out. God does the convicting. God does the saving. We don't do it. He does it all. We preach the word, and the word of God will never return void. See, I don't fully understand that. Next Sunday. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to preach that. Okay. It's going to be at 2 o'clock afternoon. John 3.16 shows the heart of Christ, and we say that all the time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. But verse 17 shows the mission of Christ. For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Do you realize what the word saved means? And we sing a lot of songs about the word saved. It means to rescue from what is to come. I've been saved, and we throw that word out. Maybe our terminology to the world, they're like, man, I'm, I'm a saved, born-again Christian. And they're like, what does that mean? You know, it's like, uh, we, we, we say this so much, and they're just like, it almost sounds cultish. I was born into a new family. Okay, you know, just, they don't get it. See, the thing is, in front of Christ, and all that he did was the reality of hell and the things to come. I came across this verse that shook me up. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 11, it says, Hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more than are the hearts of the children of men? Now, I, I could stop there and say, the Bible says that he can see the things that you cannot see. And that's definitely applied. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. I see the things you cannot see. And then we could tie that right in and say, God knows your hearts even more than he knows those things. And I, that's a great message to preach as well. But I can't help but stop and think of this. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. God is conscious and aware of hell. See, the thing is, I know there is a hell. I preach on the subject of hell. I've taught on hell. I've done series on these things right there. But when I preach, I don't fully have persuaded in my heart what that means. You're going to sit there and say, well, you're a preacher. You ought to know. I'm being serious. Try to wrap your mind around the, the fact of eternity. Try to explain eternity to somebody. Try to have it in your mind that forever and ever and ever in billions and billions of years, and when that has come, it's not even begun. Try to explain that in words, and you say, I can't, neither can I. Let's be honest. I don't totally understand hell. I can tell you it's forever. But this concept I can't wrap my mind around. I can tell you because I read the Bible that there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. But I have never in all of my life experienced pain that has to deal with weeping and gnashing of teeth to the point where you are tormented out of your mind. And it never, ever stops. I don't get that. I don't understand eternal separation. 
I go crazy when, when I go on a trip or I go out of town or my wife goes out of town and I miss my kids and I can't wait to see them. And the Bible says that there is a separation never ever to be remembered no more. Never ever to come back. Never ever to be restored. Everything we do in our life we usually have an opportunity. I mess up my finances, I'm going to reboot. I mess up in a game, I reboot. I, I, I mess this up, I'll go rebuy it. We don't understand the concept of stepping into eternity and there is no going back. There is no second chances. There is absolutely no way to redo that. You see, why was it on the mind and heart of Jesus? Because he did understand this. I've heard screaming before. But I've never been in a place where the screaming never stops. I've never felt the flames of anything to the point where I could not run from it. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. And the thought hit me. That was God in the flesh. Constantly, the screams of those in hell were before him. The reality of the screaming was before him. The idea that they could not go back, neither could he forgive sins that were already done at that point for those that have been burning in hell, that reality was in his mind. He did understand every aspect of what that was. See, God is all-powerful and all-knowing and completely aware of everything and everywhere. And God hears the screams of those that cry out from hell. He hears the teenager that rejected Christ over and over again. He hears that dad that sat there and made excuses of why he could not step up to be the man of God or to step into the role that he should. He hears every one of those churchgoers that sat in church week after week and time after time with the idea that I am going to live my life and do my own thing. You can do that, but one day you will be absent from your body and you will be present in one place or the other. There is no idea of sitting in, well, at that time I will make it. Nobody plans to die. Nobody plans to spend eternity in hell. The one thing that every person in hell has in mind and in common is the fact that they did not plan to be there. The one thing they had at all in, in, in unison as you look in the screams in hell is the fact that they never thought it would be them. Because the, the devil is a liar and a deceiver and he is doing a great job in this world today. That is why Jesus was constantly, no, my meat, my job is to do the will of him that sent me. When you can glimpse into the heart of Christ and understand the reality of hell, it will change the motive of what you do with ministry. The Bible gives us a clear account in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. And you know the passage. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels and Abraham's beggar. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And he sent Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. You know what freaks me out about this whole thing? His mind was clear. He remembered. He recalled names. 
His mind was clear. He remembered. And he was calling out names. How many names are being screamed out of the people being here today saying, why didn't so-and-so tell me? You were a churchgoer. You were a faithful servant. You went to that place. You carried a Bible. You knew and you never told me. Well, I don't want to offend. You think they're worried about that now? See, the thing is, Jesus was willing to push through the Pharisees. He was willing to push through the mess. He was willing to, for the joy that was set before him endure the cross. You know why? Because he knew what was at stake. He knew what was before him. And now I do look at John 3.16 differently. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do you know why he gave his only begotten son? He was willing to do whatever it took. Because he understood the reality of hell. These men had no doubt was on what was on the mind of Jesus. Let me close with the last point. When we see the heart of Jesus, we see the urgency that he displayed. Guys, there is no time to waste. You have it in your mind that there are four months, but I tell you, it's already here. He, he talked about the fact that they were caught up in the here and now, not understanding what was before them, and then he transferred right in there on the heart of Christ. He was... He was just pouring out to them about the reality of hell. But then the last thing, we see the faith that he desires. And I pull you back because the centurion, verse 8, answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus, in verse 10, when he heard it, he marveled. The word marveled means to admire, to be taken back. Literally, when he said that and he realized that the faith that he had in Jesus, Lord, you don't even have to be there. I recognize you as God. Lord, you are all places, all knowing, everything. Lord, you are everything that I know that you are as being the creator. Just speak the words and it will be done. How much faith do you have in our God? To save those that are beyond our reach. How much faith? Because when this man stepped up with his faith to say it, the Bible says that Jesus turned, and there's only like two passages in the entire Bible where the Bible talks about how Jesus marveled. Where Jesus was literally taken back out of this nobody that ran up to him and was saying this. This is why Jesus took the opportunity to say, he said, guys, the time is going to come when it's going to be too late. If you had the passion of this guy to run and plead at the feet of Jesus, if you understood what was at stake, understanding the bigness of God. But as I look at this, I can tell you that there are two messages for us to walk away from this. Number one is the fact that God is speaking to the saved. He turns to the followers and says, guys, will you get this? The night is coming. Do what you can while you can. Get serious. Get focused off of the meat and the pleasures that you have right now. And do the work of him that sent us. The time is already here. And to us as a church, I tell you, you say, and I've, I've heard comments. 
I've heard people say, well, I don't know why they need this, and that's a little overboard. Can we go too far, as we tell people? Is there such a thing as being that broken over eternity that we have taken the gospel too far? And I'm not saying that we neglect our families or step out of the realm of what God has given us, but I'm telling you, did he go too far when they beat him 39 times? Did he not understand the limits when he carried the cross to the top? Did he understand what was at stake when he sat down in his hand and they drove nails through his hand? You say, we've gone too far. Too much money. Too much time. No. It's just that we don't understand the reality of eternity. We don't understand that this was the heart of Jesus. We are so quick to please ourselves. Even in practice last night, you know what was on my mind? I'd like to tell you, just the souls that would be sitting in the pew that I was sitting as we were practicing. No, I was, I was thinking about dinner. Judge me if you want. I was hungry. There's a much bigger, much bigger job that God has given us to do than to please ourselves. I said, boy, you're not going to pack a pew with this kind of preaching. I, I just want to please my God. If I please him, he'll pack the pews. That's it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. I don't want, I, I don't want anybody coming to this church and being pampered of what they want to hear. I want them to know the truth. So here's the thing. The number one that Jesus said that we can pull away from this was the reality of what he wanted the Christians to know. But I'm not going to cheat you to tell you for those that are lost. Hell awaits you. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you say, I don't believe in any of that. Can I just beg of you to understand this? There are no atheists in hell. There is no one at that point that sat there. Because the thing is, when it's, it's not me. When I preach this. The word of God, which is the word of God. Stop and think about that. It's the word words of God that I am speaking he is speaking to you the message he is speaking to your heart and as he has sat down next to you and pricked your heart and opened your eyes and helped you to understand that you need him and it is your sin that condemns us to hell God offers an extension an arm of love the cross forgiveness to you because the Bible is very clear that without Jesus Christ, you will never reach heaven. Never. 